You're listening to The Wannabe Minimalist Show with Deanna Yates, episode number 126. On today's episode, I'm chatting with self-care expert and advocate Suzanne Falter about how we can carve out time for self-care and why it's so important. If you've heard the topic of self-care coming up more and more recently, and you're not really sure what it is, what it means for you, or how you as a busy mom can work it into your already extremely busy schedule, well then tune in today because Suzanne is breaking it all down for us. Welcome to Wanna Be Clutter Free, formerly Wanna Be Minimalist, the podcast for busy families who are tired of the chaos, fed up with being overwhelmed, and ready to enjoy life again. Each week, we talk about how to let go of the clutter so that you can focus on the things that actually matter. And it's not just physical clutter, we talk about the mental and emotional stuff too, because if it's holding you back, it's time to ditch it. I share what I've done in my own life to declutter, organize, and calm the chaos, but you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's practical, doable, and simple for those of us that want to be clutter-free. Well, hello again there, my wannabe minimalist friend. Welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for joining me. I am really excited about today's topic. Self-care is getting a lot of time in the spotlight, but I think a lot of us aren't quite sure what it is, or how we can make self-care a part of our life. And I am raising my hand and including myself in that group. I mean, a lot of you listening to the show are busy moms, and often that means we put others first, super guilty. So if your idea of self-care is a once-in-a-blue-moon bath with a bath bomb, or getting a massage a few times a year, then you're going to want to listen to this episode and take some notes. And if you are out driving or walking or just not in a place where you can write things down, then be sure to check out the show notes or head to my website at wannabeclutterfree.com slash 126. Again, that's wannabeclutterfree.com forward slash the number 126 to get more information about Suzanne and the links to the things that we discussed today. But before we get too deep into the show, I'd like to say that if this is your first time here, well, welcome to the show. I am honored to have you. I hope you like what you hear and you come back for more. And if you do like what you hear today, would you please be so kind as to leave me a rating or a review? The ratings on Apple Podcast and Spotify are the lifeblood for podcasters like myself. It tells me what topics you like the most so I can get more guests to discuss those ideas and go deeper. And it also helps others who might be struggling with too much stuff to find us and get inspired. And also, I just love hearing how the show is helping you. Like this review I received this week from Magdalena. She writes, quote, I found this podcast recently and I have to say that I love it. I'm a mother of three kids and we live in Czech Republic. I can feel that there are cultural differences, but still it's very inspiring. I'm sure Deanna does it with all her heart. Thank you, Deanna. End quote. Well, Magdalena, thank you for that very kind review. I've actually been to the Czech Republic and I love your beautiful country. We had a wonderful time there. Of course, we did get to visit Prague and our our daughter still talks about the um, restaurants with the trains that serve the drinks, the beverages. Um, but we also got to spend some time in Ostrava. And I have to say that that children's museum there, it did not disappoint. It was probably one of our favorites um, during our visits through Europe a few years ago. And I know, of course, it's a, it's a big country and it's got so much history. And I'm not sure where you are, but I do feel very lucky that my family has been able to experience at least a little piece of its beauty. So thank you again for joining us on the show. And thanks to all of you who listen to this show as well. Wannabe Minimalist has reached the top 100 of all education podcasts on Apple Podcasts, and it just blows my mind. 
This show is for you, and I want to be the best resource that I can be. So please do not hesitate to reach out with any ideas or topics that you'd like me to discuss. I promise I am all ears, and I can't wait to hear what you would like to learn. So all right, with that, I want to get back to the show for today. Um, We are joined by Suzanne Falter. She's an author, speaker, and blogger who writes essays and nonfiction books about self-care, joy, and the lessons that she's learned after an extremely hard year that culminated with the death of her daughter, Teal. Her story is heartbreaking and inspiring, and we talk about her recovery from that devastating year and how self-care has helped her heal. Her passions shine through, but I love how real Suzanne is. She walks the walk, and it was refreshing to get her perspective on some of my struggles that I'm sure you can relate to as well. Suzanne is an international speaker, and she speaks to healthcare and corporate audiences about self-care, the gifts of crisis, and her experience as a donor mom in the world of organ donation. Her work has been featured everywhere from O Magazine, The New York Times, and The Wall Street Journal, to Self, Today.com, and Tiny Buddha. She is the author of the book Surrendering to Joy, How Much Joy Can You Stand?, Living Your Joy, and The Extremely Busy Woman's Guide to Self-Care. In addition, she is also a podcast host. So give this episode a listen, and when you're done, head over to wannabeclutterfree.com slash 126 to get the show notes for today's episode with links to Suzanne's website, her podcast, and her books. Again, you can find it all at wannabeclutterfree.com forward slash the number 126. And now let's get to our conversation. Well, hi, Suzanne. Welcome to the Wannabe Minimalist Show. How are you doing today? Awesome, Deanna. Thanks so much for having me, dear. Oh my gosh, it's my pleasure. We had the privilege of meeting before uh, where I was interviewed by you on your show. So um, by the time this airs, it's come out now. So um, we should, uh, you know, if you haven't, if you're listening to the show and you haven't heard that one, please head on over um, to Suzanne's show and check that out. Why don't you start today by telling us a little bit about yourself and what led you to becoming a professional inspirational speaker? Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for this whole thing. And honestly, um, what I would say is that my work is to teach people about self-care who are too busy for it. And that is the the work I have been led to through a bunch of unusual circumstances. Prior to that, I was a self-help author um, and writer for decades (laughs) and uh, didn't expect my work to lead me into self-care. I didn't really know what self-care was because I was somebody who overworked all the time. And I was an extremely busy woman. And uh, what happened was that a bunch of circumstances came along and knocked me totally out of the loop, including the end of a relationship, moving out, ending a business, all within a two-month period, at the end of which my 22-year-old daughter, Teal, suddenly dropped dead from a medically unexplainable cardiac arrest just a few hours after I had dinner with her. And Teal was an extraordinary person who went all over the world um, by herself with her little guitar and she busked on the street. And she knew a lot about self-care because she was epileptic. And her epilepsy taught her to tune into her body and to really take exquisite care of herself. And, you know, the cause of her death has never been understood. She just slipped away. And uh, I decided after her death that I would make my focus 
returning to myself and becoming a better, healthier, more balanced person. And the way I determined I could do that after reading her journals and really thinking about the examples she left me was to go deep into self-care. And I didn't know what self-care was. I was, you know, like I said, I thought self-care was get a massage every quarter and call it good. And maybe a vacation every few years, maybe not. I was just a busy, busy mom and a busy, busy everything. And I didn't yet understand the joy of something like minimalism and really simplifying your life to live your values. Deanna, I didn't even know what my values were. So when I wrote The Extremely Busy Woman's Guide to Self-Care, the first thing I wanted to do was help people get in touch with what are your values? Why are you rushing through this life? Why are you doing so much? And I really think a lot of this is about overproduction. Mm. We have terribly high standards. We're working much harder at things than we need to. We are producing at a perfectionist level. And we're often doing a whole lot of stuff other people should actually be doing themselves. (laughs) (laughs) Do you hear me, moms? Oh, yeah. Oh, gosh. Okay. Well, there is so much in there that we are. I'm so excited. We have this whole episode to unpack a lot of that that you just talked about because, yes, I mean, I think especially women, especially moms have we take on so much and we put so much on our plate and we don't necessarily have that moment of is this really what I should be doing because we're so busy and we're so just go 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 and we've got we're juggling all these balls in the air and it's like but if I stop one of them is gonna drop and yeah um, I heard someone once describe glass balls and rubber balls and that we all have these glass balls that we're juggling that are really important our health our family. And then we have balls that are rubber. And those might be things like our career. Whereas like if we let that drop, it might bounce, right? Like if we drop our health ball, that one's going to shatter if it's made of glass. Um, And so I try to think of that when I'm super busy. I try to think like, is this a glass ball or a rubber ball? I just really like, I can't even think of who said it. I'm going to have to look it up because I want to give credit where credit is due. Um, but just that moment of like, okay, is this a glass ball that if I'm, I need to keep this one going, um, or is it a rubber ball where if I let it, if I let it slide, it will bounce and, you know, I can bring that back up. And, and, and so again, but in that same point, like you were saying, there's still so much within those glass balls that we do that other people could be doing as well. Like how many other things could people, our children be contributing to, you know, packing their own lunch or, you know, unpacking their lunch at the end of the day, helping around the house, these kinds of things. Um, So let's talk about that a little bit. So let's talk about your schedule. What makes you busy? How do you manage your busy schedule? Because again, just because you're doing self-care doesn't mean you're not busy. (laughs) No, no. And, and I am way more in balance than I used to be. I just need to say that because if I get to the point in a day when I am mentally tired, I stop Mm. and that's it for the day. And I generally have a two hour slot in the afternoon, which is filled with things like hanging out with my wife, taking the dog for a walk, getting some sweaty exercise, doing (laughs) some yoga, maybe baking cookies, you know, the little things in life that are, are actually quite important. 
And so I make a point of not working more than about five hours a day. And that's what I have found is sustainable for me. Everybody's different. Some people have a lot more capacity than others. I've also found that if I do a couple of hours of work first thing in the morning, I'm really fresh and snappy and I can make my decisions easily. And the work itself is easier. Hmm. So I make a point um, and I am blessed to be able to work from home and have a flexible schedule. Although many, many people do many more than used to prior to the pandemic. And, um, you know, I, I take advantage of the flexibility in my life because by about 10 o'clock, now I've got a little feisty one-year-old German Shepherd Malinois puppy <laughs> who is raring to go by about 9 or 10 in the morning. And you'd better get that dog out of here or there will be trouble. <laughs> so that's a great point for me to come up for mayor, for air, look around and go, oh, yeah, there's the rest of the world. So it's right. really a process of flowing through the day, following my energy, not following a to-do list or a long list of shoulds. Hmm. Are there things I know I want to accomplish in a day? Sure. But my to-do list flows just like I do. And I use um, Asana, which is a wonderful online scheduler. It's free. And I move all my stuff around and I'm constantly, I'm always in calendar mode. I'm just dragging things all over the place because at the beginning of the day, I think I can do a certain amount. If I haven't done it by the end of the day or if it's changed, I just morph it all and I change it. So, you know, there's no kind of, oh my God, I didn't do it. I'm just such a slacker. That internal Mm. conversation which is, in fact, I think, what drives us to be extremely busy in the first place is an internal sense of, of distrust and shame. Um, that can really lead us into a place of overproduction, as I was saying at the beginning. Okay, let's talk about that negative conversation, because that yeah. kind of strikes a chord. Um, and I'm sure a lot of people are <laughs> look disturbed okay. listening to this going, okay. <laughs> So let's say I have these negative tracks going on in my head. Do you have ideas for how to start to stop them? You got to notice them. Embrace okay. them. We're not saying, don't you dare be negative with yourself, which is in fact a form of negativity. You're saying, oh, hey, there's that little voice I was trying to identify. Cool. I just mm. observed it. Very good job, Suzanne or Diana or insert your name here, listener. This is about self-appreciation. It's about acknowledgement. How often have we ever stopped to thank ourselves for how much we do? Hmm. Yeah. You know, we don't really. Your <laughs> it's point. It's a crazy thing. And yet we do so much. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, we'll get the cute little drawing from the kids or our spouse will come home with flowers or Or a good friend will surprise us with a very nice treat and say, I just really love you and you're so great. And often none of that happens. And we're still slogging in there. And then one day we wake up and we're so resentful and we're just done. And it's like, if that so-and-so tells you me they don't like meatloaf one more time, I'm going to push the face, you know? How do you relate? Yeah. And that is a symptom that we are out of balance. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of what I talk about my work is getting back to this inner alignment. It is this place of balance where we are lined up. 
and in good kind of fighting form, essentially, for the rest of our lives and for the rest of life. Um, we're born in perfect alignment. You know, when you're a little baby, you know, you cry when you have needs, you're very clear on what you need. But as we get older and life intrudes on us and we get a whole lot of conflicting messages and maybe some traumas and some abuse, you know, the things of life, mm -hmm. we suddenly find ourselves going, oh, wait a minute. I don't know what I need. I feel like I'm coming up blank. So one of my practices that I ask people to do is to ask yourself, what do I need right mm -hmm. now? And if we all just stop for a moment and just put your feet on the floor and just close your eyes and ask yourself, what do I need right now? See if you get an answer. Hmm. I got mango last. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I got to uncross my legs because my foot's falling asleep. <laughs> okay, good. Yours is simple. Mine is a little more complicated. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like, we really want to inhabit our bodies again. Yeah. And often um, these, these terribly busy lives, and particularly the massive info stream that is always coming at us all the time, the fire hose of social media, YouTube and TikTok videos, people, you know, emailing, texting, calling, all the all of the news media that we absorb and and um you know kind of chow on this stuff is really 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 um occupying for the mm -hmm. brain and yet our default setting of our brain is to be in kind of a resting state or a mm. daydream state there is something called the default setting and yeah. it is where we generate creative ideas. You know, creative ideas pop into your head. So yeah. right. Ideas, oh, I better call my mother. You know, whatever it is, that does not happen while you're reading um, your phone. Mm -mm. That happens when you are in a place of inactivity and just kind of mental rest. And ideally, just sort of doing nothing, not even sleeping, just hanging out. And, and, you know, the brain needs a certain amount of this to continue to generate gray matter and so forth and, and to function well. Hmm. And yet we are so overstimulated. That is another reason we feel a great deal of internal pressure all the time. Interesting. Okay. Yes. We will be right back. And now back to the show. All right. Well, that might, that kind of puts a perspective on why. You know, when you're doing that doom scroll, like oh doom scrolling, you're just scrolling forever and then it oh, just yeah. spirals downward. And yet it's so hard to pull yourself away from it. But okay, so it's like, yes, yeah, so your brain is kind of on this constant dopamine hit, and yet it's yeah. not getting that rest to that it needs to kind of recharge and and really be your best self. So let's mm -hmm. talk a little bit about I want to go back to values. You talked about yeah. figuring out what you value in order to kind of create your self-care routine. Mm -hmm. well, How okay. do you recommend we do that? <laughs> okay. So I had to figure this out for myself. And there is, um, there's a little tool I created in the book called the Handy Values Sorter. And the Handy Values Sorter really is asking you to rank your values and to tune into your values and to become quiet and still and really take on the project of understanding what you care about. 
Mm-hmm. And just for those who aren't clear by, about what I mean by values, is it more important to go to your child's first grade performance or to show up at uh, the company picnic? Is it more important to you personally to be, uh, you know, muscular and fit or to uh, have fun having that extra bowl of ice cream every night? Reward is really more important because the the key is there's no harm, no foul. It's all good. Whatever you choose is up to you. And sometimes you have to muddle through life for some time before you get clear on what your values are. I'm in my 60s. And I, you know, have spent a lot of time not living values that were authentic. So that was helpful because, you know, I went off and did the wrong work for 10 years. <laughs> mm. I thought it was. Mm. And I was running my own business. I was totally a choice here. But I went for the money. You know, I was doing, huh. a, a, I've always been an entrepreneur. So I was doing an internet uh, marketing business that was very lucrative. Mm. And at the end of it, I was kind of like, okay, you you did check some things off the list, but that was the first thing that went when my daughter passed. Hmm. I mean, for me, I had yeah. to have an extraordinary, shocking, you know, severe worst of your life, hopefully, crisis yeah. in order to get back to my values because that's what happens in hmm. a severe crisis. Hopefully, listeners uh, checking right. this, this conversation out will not have to go through a severe crisis. Yeah, But, you know, you're very inspiring because you uh-huh. just rose up from a life that was not completely fulfilling and you took off to do your training. <laughs> we did. Yeah. And and that's what I'm talking about. You know, I remember, um, for instance, in this conversation about comparative values, we took uh, in my former marriage, my uh, former husband and I took our son out of school when he was 13 for a month, and we traveled around Southeast Asia. Wow. And we had a good friend who lived in Bangkok and kind of pointed us in a bunch of different directions. And we took with us naively a bunch of textbooks, and <laughs> the teachers were like, okay, give it a shot. You know, we trust you people. And they gave us algebra books and, you know, history books and novels and things that the kid had to process and learn from. Well, good God. That algebra broke my brain. And we had to get the help of a very nice grad student in a train station in in Laos to help us figure it out. I'm just saying that. Wow. But, but it was worth it. And the takeaway was, oh, yeah, this is what I really care about. Hmm. And we can't always do that kind of thing. Right. But it was really more important to us to provide him with this unique experience that it was for us to make sure he was in school every single day for that month. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, to give him that gift of seeing the world in a completely different culture. And I can imagine Mm -hmm. that he learned so much from that experience and, you know, he probably got all caught up on his algebra homework. (laughs) Well, eventually. (laughs) And, and, you know, he went to a good college, graduated and he is is a traveler. That is actually what he does. And he has set his life up to support himself, you know, built his own house that he rented out. He's he's a really interesting guy. And, 
and I, I just I just feel like those are the early experiences that are very self-determining for our values. I remember mm-hmm. we went and spent some time in a Hawaiian village mm-hmm. uh, and he, he met some people and played with some children who did not speak English and were completely different. And he got so into it. He said, I think I want to be in the Peace Corps when I grow up. And wow. we were like, yes, job done. You know? Very cool. <laughs> That's what I mean about the values thing, to get back to this right. conversation about self-care. It's about so real, emotional, deep self-care is about honoring yourself. Because we all have this panoply of instincts and desires and interests. So often we override them or ignore them. And our interest was very much in doing that at the time. And it turned out to really mesh with this child's interests. Mm. So we were getting stimulated and, you know, taking taking a break from this tiny rural town we lived in. And he was getting this great adventure. You know, so much of it is about getting back to that alignment. And the alignment I was speaking about is completely keyed into what your desires are. Yeah. Right. And, and just for those that are listening to point out, right there, like you said before, there is no right or wrong. Like yeah, when you take this questionnaire, you look at these different choices. It's not that one is better than the other. There's definitely no right answer. And people listening might be like, uh, I definitely don't want to take my child out of school for a month and go travel, which totally, I get it. Right. Some people that's not their value. That's not their jam. Um, And so, right, like you said, like totally on board with the, yes, uh, you know, kind of figuring it out, like what jazzes mm-hmm. you up. And like you said, you were just so lucky that what was stimulating you was also of interest to him at the time um, and still is, um, obviously. Yeah. So fascinating, fascinating. Okay, let's get into like, okay, so now we've talked about our values, knowing that we need to know what our values are so that we can align our self-care with these values. What are some things you would recommend for self-care? And like, how do people get started with that? Because it's hard for us to say like, okay, I haven't done anything. Now, if someone's like me, I'm kind of a pendulum swinger, right? Like, I haven't done anything. Now I want to go do something else. Now I got to, you know, so let's not do that. Let's not super pendulum swing. How do Mm -hmm. we kind of baby step into it, maybe? Well, the place you start is is with two things. Sleep, Mm. making sure you have adequate sleep, because without adequate sleep, everything goes to hell, mm-hmm. beginning with your health and ending with your moods and your your uh, resiliency, your ability to show up for relationships and you know, so forth. Number two would be to begin to ask yourself, what do I need? Mm-hmm. And if you really do not know, which is quite common, I would say take a journal out, maybe go buy a little notebook or great self-care activity, get yourself a journal. I use, I use those big, you know, spiral notebooks because I just, you know, plow through them <laughs> and uh, ask yourself, what do I need right now? And if you don't know, start writing and just, okay. you know, give yourself seven minutes or 20 minutes or whatever on the clock and just write, and write, and write, and write. And you might be writing the same sentence the whole time. I don't know what I want. I don't know what I want. I don't know what I want. But eventually the log jam will break and thoughts will begin to come in. This is a process of unlocking our resistance to self-care. And many, many of us resist self-care 
which is very interesting because it's so foundational for being a healthy person. The way you resist self-care is you deny yourself the things that you know benefit. And I'm not just talking about mm. we don't go on diets because they're kind of a pain in the butt. <laughs> I'm, I'm talking about we love to sing, but we never make time for it. Mm. We, we miss our Aunt Mary, and she's probably going to die pretty soon, but we just can't get to it. We tell ourselves we're too busy, and yet we make no effort to change that. The thing about being busy is it's legitimate. A lot of us are extremely busy, and sometimes extraordinary measures need to be taken. I've done a lot of work with people in healthcare, you know, and, and there are people in trauma and emergency medicine who had severe schedules, and they're like, I have no idea where to start with self-care. So it is what you said. It's baby steps. And sometimes self-care for somebody like that means spending 20 minutes eating lunch, sitting down. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's another great uh, thing I recommend to people is to take a walk in nature for at least half an hour. One walk in nature for half an hour is the equivalent to a two-hour walk on city streets Hmm. in terms of how it affects your central nervous system. You can just slow down to the pace of life, that's when you can answer the question, what do I need right now, much more easily. So sometimes we just have to like dial back the adrenaline. You know, as you were saying earlier, we get so wound up by life and all the responsibilities on us that we need to have some clarity. And, you know, the other thing I'd say is keep a notebook by your bed because Mm -hmm. often you wake up your first waking thoughts will be something served up deliciously from your subconscious that is trying to get your attention. And those are often very linked to the things we need and to the things that we need to pay attention to. I like that. And getting sleep. Sleep is a big one for me. I have a hard yeah. time turning life off. So I'm definitely working on that. Um I have removed some social media from my phone in order to help with said (laughs) said thing. Um, Yeah, definitely hard to do. Um, And then especially as someone who's, you know, running a podcast, if I could, I would probably delete Instagram and Facebook from my life completely, but um, it doesn't feel like it's completely possible. Um, And then, yeah, you just end up in the scroll because you're just like, well, what are these people doing? And what do I need to be doing? And so anyway, yeah, I'm diving. I'm I'm delving to a different topic. (laughs) Well, not really, because this topic of how to wind down before you go to sleep is a very rich place for self-care. If you can't get yourself back to kind of basic self-care before bedtime, notice that. Hmm. And um, I have introduced two things that came along during well, prior to and during the pandemic that have really been helped to me. And one of them is needlepoint, you know. Yeah. Needlepoint canvases when I was a teenager. And then I stopped. I didn't do any for, you know, 45 years. And uh, I I saw an ad for a needlepoint kit and I just mm. ordered it and it showed up and I started doing it. And it's it's a Zen-like activity. It really doesn't matter what you do. But occupying yourself off of the screen with something that involves your hands or making something, it it could be writing poetry, it could be singing, it could be learning an instrument, it could be learning a foreign language, it could be, you know, um, reading, 
for Pete's sakes, you know, go to the library, <laughs> grab some great books. These are, you know, not the same as listening to a podcast or watching YouTube videos or, mm-hmm. or TikTok videos or whatever, because it's a simple activity that, you're, you know, engages your brain a little differently. And I think this, this is actually something I do almost every night. And it really helps me mm. kind of drop my adrenaline level. And I'm a creator, you know, I like to create stuff, but for somebody else, it might be, you know, sitting with their plants or, um, uh, you know, doing some yoga, doing some yoga or Tai Chi or something like that right before bed is they're all good because they help you just cycle down. And mm. often if you can't kind of slow your brain down, that is, that is truly helpful. All right. Well, that's some really good tips. One other thing I wanted to step back to was kind of these obligations of other people or that we put on ourselves, basically (laughs) saying that, but if I don't do it, no one will, or I've got to do this because blah, blah, blah. Um, (laughs) um, So how do we start to say no or let go of these obligations (laughs) or, you know, have people take more responsibility for themselves? Um, what's your suggestion there? God bless you for asking that. Cause I actually have a whole section in the book about how to say no at work uh. and how to say no at home. Mm. And, you know, please notice something. We're women. We say no, we immediately feel guilty. Ah, so true. Now so true. Nobody else is. Yeah. Um, and I, and I really want to note that. We are the last to get the message about the oxygen mask. Put on <laughs> your oxygen mask first. Yeah. And and the illusion is just what you said. We have this stock set of beliefs. Nobody can do it as well as me. If I don't say yes, nobody will. So-and-so is counting on me, and I really can't disappoint them. Um, even I will look good to other people and that'll be important for my safety or my well-being or, you know, at work, it'll be, you know, related to my performance review, even though it's above and beyond the scope of my usual work. These are not true, these thoughts we give ourselves. We, they might be true, but they're probably not true. And the truth is we treat them like truths, but we don't know that they're truths. We don't know that accepting this additional assignment will actually enhance our performance review at work. We don't know that nobody else would show up and, you know, make the Rice Krispie treats for the bake sale. We really don't. And um, something happens when you kind of, you know, insist on doing all this stuff. Other people get trained to not participate and they miss out because participation can be a lot of fun. And it can also make you feel stronger and more engaged. But often I think we do this uh, taking control of stuff because we're, uh, I mean, there are many reasons, I think, but one of them could be that we're trying to compensate for a sense that we're not enough. Hmm. We're feeling guilty for perhaps messages we got long ago that are still like floating around in our brain. I was a huge uh, say yes too often person. Mm-hmm. And that's all about, you know, I am not enough. And if I do this, maybe I'll be enough. But the sad truth is you do it and you're still not enough in your own mind. 
that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't change it. You just feel busier and then something else probably doesn't get done as well. And then you feel like a failure over there or whatever. That's right. Yeah. That plays and plays and and plays. I just did a blog about how we have comfort zones with different levels of self-care. And for many people, the comfort zone is not much self-care at all, but it's comfortable to always get in there and volunteer and say, I'll do it and heap too much on your plate and then be up late and annoyed and resentful. That's like the comfort. <laughs> so to actually say no and risk the guilty feelings yeah. and the potential disappointment and, well, the order has changed experience, you have to be willing to let go. And you have to be willing to see how it goes. And that's a different comfort zone. And it's uncomfortable getting to that different comfort zone. Then you stop saying yes so much and you start building in more self-care with this new bits of time that you have freed up. And you kind of go, whoa, what took me so long? Interesting. Interesting. Okay. I like it. It was good. It was really good. And it, you know, a lot of it resonates with me. I'm definitely um, one that has said yes way too much in my life. I mean, yes, <laughs> I definitely have been that person, and I am trying. I'm I'm really trying to not be, um, and and walk the line. But there, you know, mm-hmm. I struggle with the you know, at the moment. So I'm volunteering for the PTA at my daughter's school because we Mm -hmm. just switched schools. So I want to get to know the parents and she's Mm -hmm. in fourth grade now. So, you know, it's, I feel like it's so much easier to meet families when you're in kindergarten and first grade, Mm -hmm. you know, that's when the new family show up to the school. That's when all the people were there. We went to the, you know, beginning of school picnic and it was all the young families and there was not a single family from fourth grade. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, it gets, it's like, okay, so how are we going to meet these families? So now I'm like, okay, well, if I just volunteer, but I'm trying to be very cautious about how much Mm -hmm. time I volunteer. So like, I can still go to the Mm -hmm. events. I can still help on some of the events, but not do all of it, not dive super deep, which I would have done before. So I feel like that at least is a step in the right direction for myself. So, and, and something you might also ask yourself, yeah. Is why it's important to meet other families in fourth grade. I'm just okay. suggesting yeah. Yeah. this level of questioning sure. for all of us. Yeah. Because we make these assumptions that it'll all be better if I do that. And that's what I mean about overproduction. Mm. Because sometimes, and I this is not specifically about your situation, <laughs> this is just an example. Sure. Sometimes Going into um, an assumption like that Mm -hmm. is all based on an assumption that I'm going to meet all these other families and they're going to be great. They're going to be great. We're going to have all this, you know, like dinners on Saturday night. Yeah, we're all going to get together. Sleepovers. And and it may not happen. Right. You're just like the person who showed up and volunteered. Yeah. So, so like our perception of what all that extra activity will do for us can be off base, really yeah. off base. And then it's sort of worth it to ask, well, why aren't any of the other fourth grade parents volunteering? What happened there? Hmm. You know, and did somebody else like carry that mantle? And <laughs> Yeah. Well, I definitely learned, I tried the same thing with Girl Scouts and then I got roped oh, yeah. into leading the troop. And that oh, was, yeah. mm-hmm. and then like that I learned was definitely not my jam. Because that mm-hmm. was definitely that same thing where 
why wasn't anyone else volunteering? Why was it so hard for me to get other people to help with it? So yeah, that one I quickly said no to after um, after that. Well, the first year got interrupted with COVID, so it was a real easy out. Right. Well, and, but, and uh, you know, yeah. every place is different. Every organization right. is different. Every Girl Scouts is different. Let's just True. acknowledge that. You know, I remember yeah. when Teal was doing it, and yeah. she did it all the way up through 12th grade, for Pete's sakes. Nice. There were... There were, you know, a dozen different leaders who ebbed and flowed, even in a small community of a couple nice. thousand people. And and that was just because people really needed people mm. in that particular place. And it was very, it really was self-care to do that. Sometimes we're all just kind of wanting to get under the covers and hide the rest of the world. <laughs> too many people and too much stuff. Right? Yeah. Well, I'm an extrovert. I need people. So I think that's one reason I do it as well is because that for me is the self-care part, right? The getting right. to talk to new people and okay. getting to, that's one of the things I love about being a podcaster is I get to meet people and I get to talk right. to them and whether I get to actually meet them in person or not, this for me is a great outlet. And so, um, yeah, so that's the self-care aspect of it. Now I'm taking, that's my, that's my story. I'm sticking to it. No, no, no. That's well, and that's really well observed. So a high value for yeah. you is connecting with your community. Yes, absolutely. you know, and you'll find you'll find all the perfect ways to do that by trial and error. That's yeah. another thing I want to say. Trial and error. About yeah. That I was just going to say this is a self care, a, a essential piece of self care is to treat it all like an experiment. Mm. Okay. Well, Suzanne said I should, you know, start saying no more often. I'm going to try <laughs> it. But if this doesn't work, forget it. I'm never saying no again. No, I'm not <laughs> suggesting that. I'm saying, you know, like an experiment. Yeah. And if saying no in that particular way didn't help, try it this way. Or don't say no. Say yes, but say yes, you know, a different way. You right, with a mean? boundary. Like, right. Right. Yeah. We have to really learn by doing with yeah. all of this. And And the beautiful thing is our openness to change is what will create greater self-care mm. and p.s why should we bother with self-care why have i been blathering on for the last 10 years about self-care and the last you know what's the uh, 30 40 <laughs> minutes with you because when you allow yourself the experience of deep self-care you begin to love yourself more mm. and you begin to come back into alignment the crazy thing about my life since my daughter died is that I'm far happier, ultimately. Mm. I miss her. I grieved her like crazy for three or four years. I couldn't even work the first two years. But but I found my way to my younger self. And I have a lot of experiences of a truly joyful spirit that I had as a little kid. Mm. You know, I was kind of an irrepressible child. And I find I'm I'm tapping into that essential core Suzanne-ness, which is available to all of us to tap into those deep reserves of our personal strength and our essence. Right? Mm, I love it. Well, that's a perfect place to kind of cap today's uh, show. So <laughs> tell people where they can find you, Suzanne, because I know that people are going to want to check out your book and they're going to going to want to look at your blog and find out about your oh, yeah. podcast and all that. Well, so, that's where right. are you? It's all called <laughs> self-care for extremely busy women. The podcast, the, uh, you know, SuzanneFalter.com, F-A-L-T-E-R. Um, you can Google me. You'll find all my stuff. I even have a Facebook group with 50,000 women who are all organized around this idea of greater self-care. 
And uh, that's an interesting thing, leading that group and, and really having that be a place where people can really talk about these core issues of what's really going on. And the book is Extremely Busy Woman's Guide to Self-Care. And all of it can be found online. <laughs> and I hope people drop over to my podcast and, you know, more yeah. fun to come. Well, we'll make sure we have links for all of it in the show notes as well, so that if someone is listening to this on the road, they can just go there and make sure they find it. Um, and then my favorite way to end all of these episodes is with three rapid fire questions. And so sure. the first one is, what does minimalism mean to you? Having less stuff to worry me, to preoccupy me, to make me feel heavy. I'm a chucker. So <laughs> this is pretty easy. I love that. That's a good one. Um, okay, number two. What's one of your favorite pieces of advice that maybe you didn't get to share today so far? Oh well, Lordy, turn off, turn off the screens. I think uh, I shared that. <laughs> we talked about it a little bit, but yeah. no, it's a good I, reminder. Oh, a tip. Okay. A tip. Uh, if you feel like you resist exercise, get dressed in your athletic wear before you do anything else, and wear it until you actually work out. Oh, okay. That's a fun one. That's a fun little life hack. I like it. Yeah. All right. Number hack. three, what is making you happy right now or in this season of your life? Well, I'm getting a new kitchen and I am a cook. I love to make food for people. And my dear wife has owned this house for 35 years and never leave down the kitchen. Uh -huh. And it is time and it is going to be so beautiful. And we're, we've spent a whole year on it and we get to have the kitchen of our dreams. I'm just thrilled to be part of that process. Oh, that's so fun. I love it. Yes. And right. Putting that, you know, putting your energy and your money and, you know, all your time and effort into, you know, something that you really value, uh, just totally aligns with your message and it lights you up and I love it. So, uh, well, Suzanne, thank you so much for joining us today and, um, I wish you all the best. Thank you very much. Wasn't that good? I am amazed at Suzanne's resilience and her presence. She clearly is a woman who practices what she preaches. But I would love to know what stood out the most to you. Come on over to the Wannabe Minimalist Family Group on Facebook and share. Sharing your insights will help others on their journeys too. And it just might be the thing that someone needs to hear today. And if Facebook isn't your thing, you can always find me on Instagram. I am at wannabeclutterfree there. And uh, you can just leave your comments on the post for today's episode, if you prefer Instagram over Facebook. But as always, thank you for joining me today. If you made it this far, I would be thrilled if you left me a review on Apple Podcast. Your reviews make my day and it helps me be able to book more guests on the show for you to discover and learn from. And thanks again to Suzanne for joining us on the show today and for sharing some just amazing advice. Remember, you can find out more about Suzanne by heading over to wannabeclutterfree.com slash 126. Again, that's wannabeclutterfree.com forward slash the number 126. I hope you have an amazing day and I'll see you back here next week for a solo show when I will be looking at why minimalism is great for moms, maybe even essential. I know it sounds extreme, but if you've ever listened to this show or you've listened to me for a while, you will know that I don't equate minimalism with living with the bare minimum. I do advocate for living with less and only keeping the things for you or your family that you use or love 
but there is some interesting science and statistics behind moms and clutter, so we're going to take a look at that next week. Until then, I'm Deanna Yates, and you've been listening to Wannabe Minimalist. Cheers. <laughs>